1: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpresscom amex Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like in the parking lot at your kids' Pee Wee Championship game.
2: my God, how could he do that? Are I you on? Donate what? To- what? Charles Darwin.
0: All right, welcome everybody into a special NBA All-Star Selection Edition of Nerd Sesh. We're doing this d- the day before the All-Star starters are made official tomorrow on TNT, uh, and Giannis and LeBron are the captains, we already know that much, but... This is going to be a fun one, Logan. We got a lot on the docket today. No, these are the official picks. Oh, excuse me. These are the official picks. Yeah, no, we're letting you know everybody's making the all That's right. We're making the picks. Uh, So let's start with the Eastern Conference, Logan. And... I think I can genuinely say this may be the hardest thing I've ever done. I, I had classes ruined today. My head, I got an actual <laughs> headache thinking about a few decisions. I changed two or three spots today in the East. But
2: let's start with the starters where it's a little bit obvious. Who's your first starting guard? Uh, I chose Kemba Walker, actually. I will agree. Um, I mean, Kemba's thriving in Boston, and I think the best thing about him being on the Celtics is he doesn't have to carry the load by himself. I mean, Tatum, Brown, and Smart have all picked up a lot of slack, so Kemba is not getting worn out as the season is carried on. And he's the best player on one of the best teams in the East. I think it's a no-brainer.
0: I think it's a no-brainer as well. Uh, the numbers, 22-4-5, and 44.6% from the field, 39% from three, and 86.6% from the line. The Celtics, weirdly enough, are slightly worse when he's on the court, uh, 0.3 points per 100 possessions work, so they're basically the, the same with him or without him, but I don't think that's that relevant because he's playing winning basketball and he's shooting the hell out of the ball, so I think he's an obvious choice. Who's your other starting guard out of these? Uh, my other starting guard is actually Brad Beal.
2: Wow. Okay. So I know it's, it's an, it's been a really bad year for him from three, but I'm still taking Beal as my second starting guard. So this is where we
0: discuss one of my first dilemmas. I went, when I first made my all-star team, a super rough draft. I had Beal as a starter. Then up until today, I had Beal on my team and Bradley Beal is no longer on my all-star team. And let me, let,
2: let's get into <laughs> so, it. So you're calling my list a super rough draft. No,
0: no, no, but the reason for me is so Beale had an awesome start to the season, right? The dude's averaging 27 points, four and a half boards, 6.3 assists per game, 44-31-84 splits. I came down to it with him against Jason Tatum, and I'll get into why. So this is like the Devin Booker from last year kind of snub, in my opinion. I think it can, I think it can be viewed similarly. Here, I think, is the difference. The Wizards have been better without Bradley Beal. They're 10 and 25 with him, 4 and 3 without him. He's shooting 27% from 3 since December 1st, and they're 8 points per 100 possessions worse with him on the court. Now, this to me, I. I really expected to have Bradley Beal on my all-star team. I really did. But I looked down more and more and I went against the Tatum thing and this was as hard as it could get for me because Tatum is obviously playing better defense, still scoring over 20 a game on, you know, a top four team in the East, whereas Beal is putting up really high volume numbers on a team that really pretty much sucks. Um, And yes, he has propelled this offense to a certain extent, but I really think crazily enough, Scott Brooks might deserve more credit for this offense because they just run and gun and, you know, Jordan. go in there and and score 30 as i tweeted the other day they have 10 guys that are averaging at least excuse me they have nine guys averaging at least 10 points per game that have played 20 games or more this season so they have an awesome offensive scheme i can't really um oppose bradley beal being on the all-star team and um it, it was as tough of a decision as i've ever had to make frankly so who is your starting guard my other starting guard is ben simmons Okay. Yeah. Just because Simmons has really turned around his season spectacularly spectacularly to me, averaging 16, 7.8, and 8.5 now, along with a league-leading 2.2 steals per game, 57.6% from the field, 58% from the line. In January, averaging 22, 10, and 8 on 62% from the field. Without Embiid there, when he is liberated when he can you know be be an actual screener when he can work the pick and roll as both a roll man um and as the ball handler it's just so fun to see with him and he he really can be special offensively and we know what he's done defensively all season but do you want to talk about the Bradley Beal selection a little more you know i'm not my word isn't godly i'm just
2: it's close a- <laughs> Wow, that was extremely sacrilegious. I'm just saying. Um, I don't know. I'm really surprised because you're a Brad Beal guy. I am. And so my initial
0: tiebreaker was, I think Bradley Beal is a better player than Jason Tatum. So Bradley Beal is on my team. And then my next tiebreaker was, well, Tatum's playing better defense. He He's actually winning games and they're better with him on the floor. A lot better with him on the floor. Okay, so, so
2: it was tough. I'm going to change a question here, Carson.
0: I spent and- my entire human event class thinking about this
2: genuinely, like 40 minutes of it. My head hurts so much. So next season, assuming John Wall comes back, Mm -hmm. do the Wizards break this up or do they hold on to the two guards? Well, how can you break it up? I don't think you can. You have to give up Beal, which really I wouldn't
0: necessarily want to do. I think that they might end up having to do that, but um, that's definitely going to be a dilemma. Beal's having, Beal's having a good season. I think the shooting from three, as I mentioned, 27% in his
2: last 18 games from three, it's pretty problematic. You know, and that'll swing it right into my forward selection. Giannis Antetokounmpo, obviously a captain, he's shooting better from three than Bradley Beal this season. Yeah that's a little bit Giannis of is scary and
0: on, and on decently high volume too yeah.
2: over five a game yeah um, I mean he's the MVP so far this season mm-hmm. we've discussed it in our past two yeah. uh, episodes um, you know Giannis as you said will be a captain and the Bucks are at the top of the east right now you don't have to really get into this a whole lot yeah. um, 30 points a night near 13 boards 5.5 assists 55% from the field I mean again shooting higher than Bradley Beal from deep 32.2% not astounding but when Giannis can get to the bucket like this and he's yeah. shooting one of three from deep yeah. oh it's scary And, you know, the craziest part of this is he's basically scoring a point a minute because he's
0: playing 30.6 minutes per game because they're blowing everyone out. And he's on, you know, statistically one of the greatest teams ever. Now, we'll see how that holds up come postseason, but they're 39 and 6. They're like plus 13 point differential. So, yes, Giannis is the easiest choice of anyone. Um,
2: Other starters, who do you have? Uh, I have Spicy P next. Okay. Uh, I have Siakam as well. um, And then I have Joel Embiid okay so let's
0: talk about siakam first because i actually have jimmy butler as my last starter instead of Embiid. uh siakam averaging basically 24 7.5 and 3.5 46 38 82 clips um The Raptors are 23 and nine when he plays, you know, he missed a few games with injuries, but 23 and nine its truly one of the league's elite teams. I think we we see how he's developed so much offensively to the fact that he is now a guy that can, you know, knock down threes off the dribble. He's improved as a playmaker and he's always been able to impact the game defensively with his length Uh, and he's scoring pretty efficiently with volume and winning. That's all it takes for me. Let's talk about the Butler versus Embiid thing. So what was it for you that gave Embiid
2: the nod? I don't know. I guess that I didn't blame Embiid. I didn't blame the 76ers' struggles on Joel Embiid. I blamed it more on, I-, I guess, the team around him. Horford's been struggling, and obviously the spacing issue. And Jimmy Butler has been so bad from three this year. I know he makes up for it with his defensive play, but mm-hmm. I just felt I couldn't justify putting Butler in the starting lineup, shooting 26% from deep. So here's why Butler is in my starting lineup. So the raw
0: numbers, 20.2.7 rebounds, 6.4 assists, 1.9 steals per game. The Clips, as you mentioned, 44% from the field, 26.5% from three, 82.6% from the line. The Heat are way better with him on the floor. 10.9 points better per 100 possessions. And again, this is, you know, the two seed in the East here. This is very legitimate stuff. He's having an awesome season defensively, and he's getting to the line like a crazy man. His free throw rate, which is 69.8 right now. That's your amount of free throws, uh, in relationship to your amount of field goals attempted per game. So he, he takes 9.3 free throws a game versus just 13.4 field goals. Last year, he was at 5.6 versus 13.9. So more field goals and almost four less free throws. His 69.8 free throw rate, uh, is the highest for any guard ever to attempt six and a half free throws a game in a season. It's Harden is at fifty one point four, so Harden is basically wow. three quarters, um, a little bit less than three quarters actually of what Jimmy Butler's doing. I just think with the amount that the Heat of winning, which everything he does defensively as a playmaker, and yes, the shooting from three isn't great, but he's shooting pretty well from two, um, and he's a guy that obviously gets the rim pretty much at will, and I, I think he has to be there for me. And Embiid just hasn't played quite enough games, I think, to get the nod over a guy that, you know, would be so close
2: no matter what. I mean, I'm not mad at you. That was my debate on mm-hmm. Embiid or Butler. Uh the first guy off, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it that Embiid is your next guy. Yeah, I Embiid mean, would be my first guy off. Um, so my next guy is uh, Ben Simmons, uh, in my opinion. Um, I mean, only three players are putting up 14, 8, and 6 so far this season. That's obviously Ben Simmons, yeah. Luka Doncic, and LeBron yeah. James. Um, Obviously, Ben isn't as dominant a scorer or passer as the other two, but he is a top three-point guard in the East, and I think he's deservedly here. Yeah, I, I think Ben Simmons is actually having a phenomenal
0: season after what started out pretty ugly. You know, he was really struggling to find a role, and I think he came into his own, especially defensively, and now with Embiid out, is really dominating the game offensively. Um, So, my next guy is Kyle Lowry.
2: Really? Why is he not on your team? No, no, no. I had Kyle Lowry make my squad, but he was the last guy on my team, actually. Interesting. I it was a big debate between him and uh, I'll. We'll get into it when we get down that low. But yeah. Lowry was was scratching to get on my team. Interesting. So I considered Lowry as a
0: starter. I ended up going with Kemba and Ben Simmons. But he's missed what ten or eleven games this season. I think I think eleven, uh, averaging twenty four and a half and seven and a half, basically forty one from the field 35.4% from three 86% from the line is just a guy that impacts the game in so many ways and it's always with Kyle Lowry it's the little things but he's on a top three team in the east he is scoring at a really high level one of to me without question the 10 best passers in the NBA and a pretty damn good raw shooter of the basketball as well and it felt to me like the Raptors deserved a second guy because you know Yes, they have been better with Siakam, decidedly better, but they were also, you know, decently successful without him. And the same thing happened. They were able to survive without Lowry. They've sort of been able to survive without everyone. So that's why I felt like Lowry was, you know, on
2: the higher side of my list. My next guy is actually Trey Young. Okay. Um, So I put Trey up this high, obviously, because his numbers, I mean, the team's not winning games. Yeah. And I'm assuming that was a major factor for, did Trey make your team? So this was the
0: second one of the hardest dilemmas I've ever had. Trey Young did make my team. Let's he go. He made my team, and it was so hard, and I had it flipped. And can you guess who I had on?
2: Jalen Brown. No. Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Dude,
0: I really wanted to
2: put Spencer Dinwiddie on my squad.
0: And so here's the reason that I, had, that I was considering Dinwiddie so thoroughly. He's averaging 22-3 and 6.4 on the season, 42-30-78 splits, but... To me, what really matters is the 26 game stretch that Kyrie Irving mysteriously disappeared. The Nets were 13 and 13. we averaged 24.8 points and 7.2 assists per game on 43 29, 78 splits. I don't care about the inefficiency with Spencer Dinwiddie because you look at the degree of difficulty. Those were shots he had to take. He's not a great pure shooter of the basketball, but he's good enough to keep people honest. And when he gets hot, it's pretty scary. Um, was playing awesome as a playmaker. The dude was averaging 25 and seven for a 500 team, basically, without their theoretical best player. And if he had been able to sustain that, you know, maybe the crazy thing is if Kyrie Irving didn't play this season, I might have had Spencer Dinwiddie on over Trey Young, because if he's 25 and seven on a 500 team, I don't care about the efficiency. That's a no brainer to me versus a guy who's won 10 games. I wanted to make a statement about the winning, but then I looked at and I said, okay, Unfortunately, we have to acknowledge the games when Kyrie has been out there. And due to, you know, Dinwiddie getting less time with the ball in his hands and really just being in a role that is not as perfectly suited to him, his production hasn't been the same. And now I'm saying, can I give it to a guy on a sub 500 team that has, you know, less points, less rebounds, less assists, less efficient? That's where it got tough for me to make. But this one was so close. I was so close to putting
2: Dinwiddie because, you know, I think winning really matters in basketball, obviously. Now, you said the Wizards are better. Without Brad Beal. Do you think the Nets are better without Kyrie?
0: Oh, man. I mean, this season, let me be clear. I don't think the the Wizards are better without Bradley Beal. They have performed better without Bradley Beal this season okay. in, a, in a relatively small sample size overall. I think Bradley Beal is still the offensive engine for that team. And I love Bradley Beal. He's one of my probably one of my 10 favorite players. Do I think the Nets are better without Kyrie? We're really getting to that point. I mean, they're 5 and 10 with him. Um it just seems like he's a little crazy, right? He ruins their chemistry. You look at I honestly think the offense flows better with the ball in Dinwiddie's hands, which is a little bit crazy cuz Kyrie is one of the best one-on-one scorers okay. in basketball. But I just think Dinwiddie has a better connection with these guys and Dinwiddie goes full alpha too. Like Dinwiddie will shoot 30 times in a game and he's not, but it feels more natural and it feels like guys are okay with it. Whereas with Kyrie, especially Dinwiddie himself, actually, Dinwiddie you can tell is destroyed by having Kyrie out there. I think he hates playing with Kyrie. Um, So I think it's really close. But if you get KD out there, then I think they are definitely better better with Kyrie. And then obviously KD
2: takes them to like maybe championship level. So Trey was your last guy on. Yeah. Okay. So my next guy after Trey is Jason Tatum.
0: Should we talk about Trey's
2: numbers first? Because I mean, they are pretty spectacular. Trey is putting up some yeah. insane numbers. I mean, he's putting up 29.2. Mm. uh What else here? Uh 4.7 rebounds, 8.6 assists on 44.5% uh, field goals, 37% from deep, 84 from the line. Yeah. So Carson – I know you say that winning matters, and obviously winning does matter in basketball. Do you think it's not just because of the team around Trey? No,
0: I think it's more than that. I mean, I think part of it is that Trey is maybe the worst individual defender in basketball, and I think the stats support that, and I think the eye test supports it. He literally can't stop anybody, and the Hawks suck defensively in large part because of him. Another part of the argument maybe for the Bradley Beal brigade is that, you know, while the Wizards have a top 11 offense in the league— the Hawks aren't all that great on offense. They're better. They're definitely much better with Trae Young. They're a disaster without him. But I do think part of it is this team is just built for him to just huck up shots and have the ball in his hands all the time. And when you're that talented, you're going to put up numbers. But as we've seen,
2: it doesn't equate to winning at all. Well, another guy that kind of reminds me a little bit of the younger Devin Booker, because last season when you just give D ball, book, the ball and it's him chucking up shots. So let me ask you this then, Carson. Yeah. Trey Young is obviously the guy moving forward for the Atlanta Hawks. What can they do with his ineptitude defensively? How can they get better as a defensive team with him at the, at the guard spot? I think they have to get a top-notch defensive
0: center, uh, which I do not think John Collins is, and I think John Collins basically has to play the five, which is although I have been a John Collins fan since the draft, I don't know if he's the fit there because yes, he's nice as a rim runner, but you know it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them to have a, a Miles Turner type center, a guy that is you know imposing as a rim protector on defense and can stretch the floor, and then I think the vision that they've had for you know putting quality defensive. Uh, wings around him is the right thing. Get your DeAndre Hunters, get your Cam Reddishes. Those guys are just super young. And Cam Reddish, unfortunately, just kind of
2: sucks. I would like to say DeAndre Hunters putting up some decent numbers right now. Yeah, DeAndre Hunters having a good season. Uh, 12 points a game. uh, Great defensively. I just the thing with the Hawks is, you know, Trey Young has games
0: where, you know, he's hitting everything and he's making some unbelievable passes. But for the most part, I just find that the Hawks kind of suck to watch because they don't play any defense and it's just Trey Young going on one-on-one and, you know, he, he makes good reads out of the pick and roll. He's an incredibly talented offensive player, but he just has the ball so much and it's like, yeah, you're going to put up numbers. And now I feel like I'm almost talking myself into Dinwiddie. I think Young is a better player than Dinwiddie. I think that that is clear. And I think when you look at the numbers he's putting up while doing so efficiently, that's why it's so tough to put on a guy that's, you know, 22, four and six for another sub 500 team on 42 and 30% from three. But my heart wants me to do it. I can feel it in there. I can
2: feel the heart pulling me towards Dinwiddie. Okay. My last Hawks related question. Yeah. So Hawks, obviously the seller of the East. Are there any top five projected picks that you think can help them immediately next season? Well, I think someone that could be
0: interesting could be Anthony Edwards if you're looking at a bit of, you know the three and d mold. Now, the question is how much he's going to need the ball, because you don't really want anyone that needs the ball alongside Trey Young. Trey Young needs the ball basically all the time to be effective. Anthony Edwards, I think part of the appeal is the ability to, you know, go out there and score one on one. And I wonder if you relegate him to a three and D role. Um, Not that he's exceptional defensively, but, you know, he's got a nice athletic build. And I think there's promise there. You know, that could be problematic for him. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a fix. And that's why I'm not all that high on the Hawks. Like, I don't ever see them being a championship team. I got into a debate today with Peyton T. Gallagher, who argued that Anthony Davis should leave the Lakers. And he cited the Hawks as an example of a team that had cap space. And I said, the Hawks are the worst team in the league. They suck. And maybe a few years down the road, I think a few years down the road, they will be a playoff team. I never see championship upside for this team because I think Trey Young is a guy that has, you know top five player in the
2: league demands and doesn't have top five player in the league talent. Yeah. I mean, you make a lot of good points here. Thank you. Um, So let's move on. Yeah. Uh, my next guy is Jason Tatum. Yeah. Um, the best plus minus in the NBA outside of uh, players from Milwaukee. I mean, Jason Tatum's good. And look, I told you, uh, I told you, Carson, uh, hopefully the fans realize this. Mm-hmm. I am man enough to admit when I was when I'm wrong. Yeah. And I said Jason Tatum had capped out. I said he couldn't get any better, Yeah, and he has proven me wrong uh, time and time again. I mean, right now, Jason Tatum, higher points per game than Jalen Brown, and the reason I think Tatum will clearly make the all-star team is he has more name value than Jalen Brown. He's the second guy. He's deservedly here, and um, I don't know. Like I said, his ceiling is higher than I thought. This season, 21.5 points, near seven boards, near three assists, on 43% shooting from the field, 36 from deep, and 86 from the line. Jason Tatum is just a good basketball player.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jason Tatum is really good. And Jason Tatum was a guy that I have been about as high as you could be, especially his rookie season. I went out and I said, I thought that he could be a top five player in the league because there were, there were shades of KD In my opinion, the shot making just ridiculous from everywhere on the floor. Um, and he's had a really good season, and I think part of what stands out is defensively, he has easily caught up to Jalen Brown on that side of the ball. To me, I think that they are they are equals there. And then his role offensively is Jalen has had an awesome season. The dude averages twenty points a game, super efficiently. But it's about as easy of a twenty points a game as you can get because he has Kemba and Tatum demanding so much defensive attention, um, and he gets a lot of open looks out of it. Tatum has to create his own shots out there, and that's part of the reason why Tatum to me it was it's not that hard to choose between Tatum and Brown, but. It wasn't it's really hard for me to put Tatum on because I wanted to keep my boy Brad Beal on there. Can I be honest about something, Logan?
2: Uh, yeah, we love honesty here.
0: I'm currently looking at ways to talk myself out of Trey Young. I'm looking through guys that I know have put up huge numbers on terrible teams. So I went straight to the early 90s Nuggets, Orlando Woolridge and Michael Adams, guys who were both averaging 25 a game and not making the all-star team. Right now I'm looking at Kiki Vandeweghe had a season where he averaged 27 a game on 52 percent from the field and 48 percent from three, but wasn't an all-star, even though the Blazers went 49 and 33. So that's actually kind of crazy all right, Trey, you made my all-star team. Congratulations. It's as spiteful as I can get. I want Spencer on there so badly.
2: Yeah. No, like I I like Spencer Dinwiddie from, from what he was in, in, uh, Detroit. It's amazing to see his growth. Spencer's a great guy. You know, I wanted on here. Who? I really wanted Malcolm Brogdon to make the team.
0: Yeah. Brogdon was a guy early in the season that I thought was going to have a legitimate shot at it. But looking at the season, like this is the best Eastern Conference All-Star team in a while. You know, you look at versus like last year when Vucevic is making it. There's
2: no Vucevic on this roster. Individual season-wise, this is an impressive group, and which I think uh, the Brogdon talk segues nicely into the next guy that I had on my list, and that's DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah. I think with where the Pacers are at as an overall team, you can't have two All-Stars from Indiana, and I think you have to make the case between Brogdon and Sabonis. Um, off the, um, when he's on the floor, the Pacers are plus 7.7, 7 and off, they're negative 4.7. Wow. So bonus is a beast. Yeah. Um, 17.8 points, uh, near 13 boards, four and a half assists, 53% from the field, 25 from deep. That's not really his game. And then near 72% from the line. You know, Carson. Yeah. Nobody has put up numbers like that since 2004. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And Sabonis is in many ways a 2004 type
0: player. You know, he's a guy that is really one of easily the five best post scorers in basketball, has awesome touch there, does have the mid range game, and he's so much fun to watch in the pick and roll with Brogdon and also making secondary reads out of the pick and roll and out of the post because he is a really good passer. He's got a little bit of RV to Sabonis in there. Uh, and he, to me, has to be there. As you mentioned, they're way better with him on the floor than off the floor. The dude is a monster rebounder. He's just like. He's just having a flat-out all-star season, and Indiana needs to have someone. Any relation, Arvidas? You know, I, I, no relation. Oh, I thought so. No relation. I know. Crazy, though. Mm-hmm. An, an actual crazy no relation is that Bojan Bogdanovich and Bogdan Bogdanovich have no relation.
2: Yeah, you laughed at me. No, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't really laugh at me, but when I said it, I was like, I just assumed they were brothers. Yeah. And then you were like, and I never I said, did. And then I said,
0: familiarize yourself with Yugoslav names. They all end in itch. All of them. It's just the way we do things. Um, so you have Sabonis. How many spots? Do we have two spots
2: left? Okay. Who are your last two spots? There's
0: there's one. There's a couple. couple, Listen,
2: there's one guy that I have a lot higher. Um, so the next guy that I have on my squad is Bam Adebayo. Okay. That's the guy that I had a lot Um, higher. I mean, it's a dominant defensive year and I don't blame you for that. I mean, finally a jump from Bam because last year it seemed like everybody was projecting him similar to the Justice Winslow treatment where everybody was like, this is Justice Winslow's year. This was Bam Adebayo's year. He's taken a dominant leap defensively. Um, and he's the second biggest reason why the Heat are winning games. It's a no brainer. Um, let me ask you this. Could you argue that he's the biggest reason?
0: No, (laughs) I think it would be a tough argument to make, but I think he what he's done defensively, the way he's revolutionized his game as a playmaker. No, actually, I don't I don't I wouldn't argue it, but I think he's like a close second. Like Bama's been
2: awesome. And I think, and I think I have to apologize to Jimmy Butler. Obviously he's not going to listen to this, but, Mm -hmm. um, I said that, you know, early on, we were making our preseason predictions. This is not a spot you would go to win games. And obviously Jimmy Butler knew something, uh, about what coach coach Spolcher was going to do this year with this young squad. And like you said, Adebayo has been a big reason why 16 points a night, ten and a half boards four over four and a half assists on 59% shooting from the field and a little under 69% from the line. Bam's a monster. Yeah, Bam is a monster. And what stands out, obviously, is
0: the 4.7 assists per game. The dude runs the floor like a deer. He's got legitimate passing vision. And this was something I don't remember seeing at all in his first couple years in the league. I thought of Bam as a guy that could protect the rim, was actually pretty versatile defensively because he was so quick on his feet. And he's only, you know, whatever, 6'9 or so. He's not a he's not a huge guy. But to see this development as a playmaker, and it's been going on all season, has just been awesome. And, you know, the Heat are the two seed. So I think that they absolutely deserve two all- There's one other team that I think deserves two all-stars because of record. Did did Chris Middleton make the cut for you, Logan? Chris Middleton did not make my cut. So who's your last guy? Uh, Kyle Lowry. Oh, okay. So let me make the case for Middleton because Middleton was my last change that I made today. So at the start of today, I had Dinwiddie, Beal, and Young. I ended today with um, Young Middleton and Tatum and so here's why I think Middleton has to be here and I think he should have been here all along and I think that I was um I think that I was make looking at the wrong things beforehand because if you look at the raw numbers 19 and a half points six rebounds a game four assists per game that's you know that looks pretty typical Chris Middleton to you but the dude's playing 28 minutes per game because the Bucks blow out everyone every game that's why Giannis is playing 30 why Eric Bledsoe is playing like 26 his per 36 minutes Keep in mind, this is on a 39-6 historically great regular season team. 24.7 points, 7.2 rebounds, 4.9 assists on 50-42-89 splits. That dude has to be on the All-Star team to me. I think he has to. I'm not gonna say that I think he's gonna put the Bucks over the top in the postseason. I think that, you know, there's a legitimate case to be made that Brogdon is a better player than him. And I would actually probably say Brogdon is a better player, but I feel like when he you know, when the team is this historically great and he's having this great of an individual season, you gotta reward winning.
2: Yeah, no, I mean I thought long and hard about the Chris Middleton pick, and like I said, it came down to Kyle Lowry and him. I just felt like I felt like Kyle Lowry was the better player. I mean, you allude to it a lot, and I know that you had Kyle Lowry very high. So I guess – so your debate was – no, no, no. You put Middleton on your squad. My debate is what you're saying should have been, what, Trey Young and Chris Middleton? Um, Yeah, I guess I guess that would be it. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like the Raptors are better because of Kyle Lowry. Lowry mm. impacts the Raptors more than Middleton if, um, impacts the Bucs. I think that's true.
0: I think that's true, and I I would have Lowry over Middleton. I ended up going, you know, I guess, well, no, actually, I guess I would say Beal. I, well, I think there's a Beal versus Young debate to be had within itself, which is another debate I had today. You know, the huge number bad team debate, because I do still think Bradley Beal is a better basketball player than Trey Young. Yeah. But then I looked, is he having a better season? Can I really support that? And I I think that it was tough when both teams are so
2: terrible record wise. Anyways, Uh, some guys that uh, some other guys that were close. First off, Uh, Jalen Brown, you know, Mm. I I just felt like I couldn't justify putting three Celtics on the all star team. Mm. Uh, I think Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker, are the clear cut one and two for the squad. Another guy. Now, I know you probably wouldn't have considered him as much, but Andre Drummond, I mean, in all honesty, and I know you aren't the biggest Drummond fan. He was probably my first guy off. I get it. Over my man Dinwiddie. Yeah, oh. Drummond's probably not the player most conducive to winning that I left off my list, but you know he can grab a rebound or two. But I don't care. So can a Whiteside. <laughs> Ouch! No, right. Come, Drummond, don't do that. Don't,
0: don't do that. Let me just say, don't this do season, that. this season, Drummond has had a lot of the Whiteside stuff in there.
2: No, he, he's Andre Drummond would never be a Whiteside. All right.
0: Well, I've been unimpressed by Andre Drummond this season. My first guy off was Dinwiddie. My second guy off was Beale. My third guy off was Jalen Brown, who was really having an incredible season after that extension Mm -hmm. that we were both pretty critical of. You even more so than me. I think you said at some point anyone with a brain could see this was a terrible extension or something, and I like it now.
2: No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I I don't remember that. It's been struck from the record.
0: Yeah, I said that. Yeah. The next guy off for me, and this is now my fourth guy off, Zach Levine. I didn't really consider him at all but i think he's you know there's been a lot of buzz about zach levine part of it being because he's from a huge market because he puts up these nice numbers 25 5 and 4 44 and a half percent from the field 39 percent from three 83 from the line but I mean, there's so many flaws with Levine's game to me, and Levine is a guy that I used to really love, really last season because he was such a spectacular one-on-one scorer. But there gets a point where you watch the dude, you know, get this ton of tunnel vision over and over, and make so many mistakes defensively, and misread the pick and roll, and just play basketball that is not conducive to winning. And here's why I don't care that he's putting up these great individual numbers. You know, the Bulls are 27th in offense, and with their offensive personnel, that should not be the case. Laurie Markkinen is having a pretty brutal season. I don't know how much of that is on Levine versus Boylan versus Markkinen. I think Markkinen needs to be more aggressive individually, but he's been relegated to basically a spot-up shooter, which sucks because he's so skilled out of the post, he can handle the ball. And I think Levine taking so many games over and saying, this is my game, I'm going to will us to a win, but then it's actually a loss, it has played a part in that.
2: No, you don't have to tell me about the Bulls' woes. I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You pick
0: the Bulls to make the playoffs. That's right. But yeah, have a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They are also worse with him on the floor. 2.1 points per 100 possessions worse. And they're just a bad team. So for me, if it's, you know, big numbers, bad team guy, it's young and Beal are super close. I barely went young and Levine is in a total tier below them.
2: Yeah, I completely
0: agree. And I did get into a massive Twitter argument with some guy about this that basically devolved into him arguing that Zach Levine was a good defender because he averaged like 1.2 steals a game or something like that.
2: He's been playing too much 2
0: I Let me tell you, Logan, that's an epidemic across this country, the excessive 2K. <laughs> Anyone else that you really considered in the East before we move on to the West?
2: Not really. I mean, you already mentioned Dinwiddie, and he yeah. was the last guy that I hadn't said anything about. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's it for the East. Let's move on to the West. The West is a little more clear cut. I mean, I literally went brain dead. Not literally. I figuratively went brain dead. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, how'd it was you, a good time. How'd you make it out? Uh, I don't know, man. It's I just so kind of woke up one day. Wow. That's... No, I, the the West starters were so easy to pick, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, Luca is my uh, first guy. You know, mm-hmm. at the guard spot, Harden second, Kawhi, LeBron, and then Anthony Davis. So is that? Are you saying that you would have Luca above Harden?
0: No, or I was just saying t- guard spot wise. okay. Yeah, so that's the same five I have. I I did for a second think about Jokic versus Kawhi. I thought about Jokic
2: AD just positionally wise. Yeah,
0: well, I was just going front court. In I general. got you. Let's just talk briefly about these guys, because there was some pretty crazy stuff happening. Harden averaging 36.9 points per game. That's the most since Jordan in 86-87, along with 6.3 assi- uh, excuse me, six point three rebounds, 7.4 assists, 44-36-86 splits. Uh, they're 8.4 points per 100 possessions, better with him on the floor. His 12.4 free throws per game are the most ever for a guard. threes a game are the most ever period. He's broken his own record there. One interesting stat, and this doesn't have to do with the All-Star game, but I was digging and I found some pretty interesting stuff here, is that you know lately, Russell Westbrook has been putting up much better numbers and a large part of that is the fact that Harden is getting doubled a lot more, so the ball is just going into Westbrook's hands and he's handling it a lot better. Uh, He's getting to the rim, he's finishing better than he has all season, still not shooting well from three at all. But in these games, even when Westbrook plays well, the Rockets are considerably worse. And so in January, Harden's averaging 31.4 points per game on 36% from the field, 26% from three. That shows, you know, that he's still going to get his when you double, but you're going to make him work a lot harder and it's going to get a lot uglier. This is sort of some crazy splits to me. Harden in wins this year, 40.7 points per game, 47.5% from the field, 41.5% from three, over 25 field goals per game in losses. 30.3 30.3 points per game, 37.5% from the field, 25% from three, 22.4 field goals attempt per game. Whereas for Westbrook, his his shots go up in games that they lose. They actually take the same amount of shots per game in losses. His points go up and his efficiency goes up. So this is a little bit of a, we got a little sidetrack there. I should I should say I got a little sidetrack, but it's just interesting to me that you can see so clearly in the stats that it really is anyone but Harden. Even when Russ gets his, it's still better to have Russ get his mm-hmm. than Harden get his.
2: I don't really have anything to add. I mean... Yeah, sorry. That was just a weird... I just found those stats and I was intrigued. That's kind of what we do here at Nerd Yeah, that's true. I mean, James Harden is averaging almost 37 <laughs> points a game. Yeah. It's not like I was going to leave him off. Uh, so let's talk about the other guy in the backcourt, yeah. and that's Luka Doncic. Um, we've said it on here. We love Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. We think he's going to be the best player in basketball very mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Unbelievable passer, scorer, and leader for the Dallas Mavericks squad. I can't say enough good things about him. Um, yeah. They're currently sitting at fifth in the West at 27-16, and 16, a team that I did not expect to make the playoffs. Better than the Rockets. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. And, and the Rockets have Harden
0: and Westbrook and better, Capella. Better than the Rockets with a subpar KP who has been banged up.
2: It's just Luka going insane. No, Maxi Kleba's is going pretty insane, Maxi Kleba's is going insane, too. Um, and, you know, I think that Luka may be in the MVP conversation if they were a little closer to the top yeah. of the West. Um, 29.1 points per night, nine and a half boards, nine assists, 46 and a half percent shooting from the field, almost 33 percent from deep and 77.7 from the line in his second season get out of here. He's the greatest 20 year old ever. Enough said. I would
0: like to point out that he shoots 58% on two pointers. So, you know, he gets to his spots there. He's got a beautiful touch around the rim. Great floater game, pretty good offensive rebounder and gets some, some tip ins there. And yeah, he shoots a high volume of threes, which brings his overall, you know, raw field goal percentage down, but I think it's good. He keeps the defense honest. And when he gets hot from there, it's just like, Oh, this game's over. Luke going to score 40. Fun to watch. My favorite player to watch in basketball right now. Moving into the front court. I mean, basically equally no-brainer-ish. LeBron, 25, 7.5, and 11, 49, 34, 70 splits. They're way better with him on the floor. 10.3 points per 100 better. Do we even need to discuss more? I think he's still the best player in basketball. 11 assists. I know. It's crazy. It's phenomenal. He's posting dudes up like never before The uh, the passing. I mean, he's one of the three best passers in basketball to me. He's just insane. He's the best.
2: Yeah, I I agree. All right. uh, The next guy is Kawhi Leonard. um, And I think pretty clearly, I mean, obviously, what he set out 10 games now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The Clippers are another team that are vying for that two seed with the Nuggets and the Jazz after the Jazz's hot streak. The Clippers are a staunch team. And of course, you know, headed by Kawhi. His per 36 numbers to me are unbelievable 36 and 8. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's, is that Jordan esque? It's a little bit, that's a little bit Jordan. It's, it's a it's a little bit Jordan-esque um, raw numbers, 27 points, seven and a half boards, five assists, 46% from the field, 35% from deep and 88.8% from the free throw line. Again, it's just so no brainerish. I feel like we can't really have a whole lot of discussion on these guys. This is the only thing I will say about Kawhi. That's a little bit weird. This might look
0: statistically like Kawhi's best regular season up to this point in his career. And I don't think it's close. Like, I don't think Kawhi has been completely himself. You know, the efficiency is a little bit down, 46.6% from the field, 35.5% from three. Like, the dude is one of the best scorers and just flat-out players in basketball. But, like statistically, when people look back in the future, they might think that this is better than his 2016-17 season, when I think he very well could have been MVP because of what he was doing defensively while scoring you know, 25-plus, super efficiently, and winning 60-plus games. Kawhi has been really good. He hasn't quite been the Kawhi we saw last year, and the Kawhi that we've seen at his absolute best, and I think part of that is his legs were shot early in the season, and there are times to me where he's still just, you know, he has some rough shooting nights, but we're nitpicking kawhi has been you know one of the five best players in basketball this season probably
2: i agree with you that his best season uh regular season at least was 2016 17 yeah i don't think it's close mm-hmm.
0: and i'm just saying you know maybe when the nerds like us look at this in the future without you know the exact context of the time they might not see it that way Yeah. unless they're as smart as us in which case they will 80 <laughs> for the last starting spot you know having an awesome season 26.6 points 9.3 rebounds 3.2 assists per game 1.5 steals, 2.6 blocks, 50-30-86 splits, 86% from the line on over 8 free throws a game. Carson,
2: pull my card if I'm out of line here, okay? I'm, I'm, I've I'm, got it in my hands. I think Anthony Davis is better. He has improved since his time in New Orleans. I That's think, interesting. I think this is the best Anthony Davis we've ever seen. That's interesting. I'm going to have to think about that.
0: Are you, Are you going to pull my card? I think it's pretty much the same Anthony Davis. I think he's having maybe the best defensive season of his career because he's fully engaged on basically every possession and the Lakers are a top-notch defense because of it. And by the way, all their rim protectors Dwight having an awesome season, JaVale JaVale having an awesome season. JaVale's been one of the best rim protectors in basketball if you look at the numbers. Top three? Top three in field goal percentage allowed at the rim. He's averaging like a block every 10 minutes, so (laughs) 3.6 blocks per 36. Yeah, he's having an awesome season. Um, But AD is obviously the center of all, all that and the dude can and score the rock like a crazy man um i don't know if he's taking a significant jump though but he's been one of the top five players in basketball for you know three years so i wouldn't complain
2: was that a pun was it? it the center of all this oh man i'm
0: good i don't even <laughs> i don't even realize it sometimes. here's the one weird thing with ad there's still four points per 100 possessions worse with him on the floor which is just you know And it does make sense to a certain extent because he can't really run the show without LeBron. It's a little bit weird, though, that this says, you know, sometimes LeBron does better even without AD on the floor with him. I don't think that's significant come playoffs, though. Like this is the most dynamic duo in basketball. It's the best duo in basketball.
2: I think it's been the best. I think that's been the case for a lot of LeBron led teams. You can take a look at that second guy and Mm -hmm. they may be worse with him. I mean, worse with him on the floor or excuse me better with him yeah. off um, I think that I wouldn't worry about that I
0: po- come playoff like listen I want Anthony Davis yeah, on the floor it's not, not a question let's talk about the first guy off for both of us or do we agree that Jokic is the first guy yeah. off Jokic after a rough start to the season has turned it around and is having really a great season and you know, he was super disengaged early. He came in out of shape. He's been so really nice and aggressive as of late. And his touch is just phenomenal. I mean, the shots that he can hit, part of what I say is so marvelous about Jokic is everything he he makes is contested because he can't shake anyone, obviously. So people are on him all the time and he just hits these turnarounds. We're like, wow, I don't know if anyone else in basketball can make that shot. Averaging 19.5 points, 10 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 51-33, 79 splits. The Nuggets are much better with him on the floor than off it. And since December 12th, when that turnaround really started, he's averaging 23-10, 6.5 on 55.5% from the field, 43.4% from three, 79% from the line, and the Nuggets are 16-5. and five. That's vintage Jokic. If he have been doing this the entire season, MVP level. That is true. Unfortunately, he had to go come in, you know, 310 pounds and didn't want to shoot the ball for a month of the season D tackle style because i put my faith in this man and said that i thought he would win mvp and then you know i mean yeah if he had done this all year oh he's right up there he might be my third guy after Giannis and lebron because of the team success that the
2: nuggets have had uh let's move on who's the next guy for you Uh, i had a lot of debate between this one but Uh i still ended up going up uh going with damian lillard despite the team woes yeah i have dame as well Because the dude is just ridiculous.
0: I mean, he's right up there, right on the border of the top 10 players in basketball. I don't know if he's
2: quite there for me, but he's like 10 or 11. He's one of the, he's an insane scorer. And right now, uh, Damian Lillard is still on career pace best for assists and three-pointers made. Um, Near 28 points a night, um, four rebounds a night, seven and a half assists, 44% from the field, near 37% from Devin, 88 from the line. He's just a bucket and... He's the best player on the Blazers. I wish. Do you think Dame should leave the Blazers? No, I don't. Because I don't think that
0: he's good enough to be the best player on a championship team. In fact, I I, basically know he's not. That's what I'm saying. But he needs the ball a lot. I mean, okay, here's an interesting version of Damian Lillard. 35-year-old Damian Lillard as like a catch-and-shoot guy, a dude coming off pin downs all the time with his lethal stroke. That's an interesting game that could maybe be like a
2: lethal sixth man someday looking forward. <laughs> I thought you were going to pitch me on like a Damian Lillard to Denver Nuggets kind of trope because it just seems like every guy's got to go to the Nuggets. No,
0: uh <laughs> although actually he might be pretty insane for the Nuggets. uh I mean, yeah, he's averaging 28 a game, only 2.8 turnovers to me, which is really impressive. When you look at the seven and a half assists, and also just how much he has the ball in yeah. his hands, he's got the ball a bunch and doing it with decent efficiency. You know, 44.5 percent from the field, 37 from three, 89 from the line, and they're 11.2 points per hundred possessions better with him, which you know makes sense because he's everything for this banged up team. So he was your next guy as well. Yeah, he was. He was my seventh guy overall, and I think he's. Had having another I don't know if it's an underrated season because the Blazers have struggled so much but again you know you don't have Nurkic you lose Zach Collins you lose um you lose Rodney Hood you have Hassan Whiteside you have Hassan Whiteside it's just you know it's been a tough season in Portland but they still have playoff aspirations and Dame absolutely has to be here so who's your number eight my number eight would be Donovan Mitchell as is mine. Wow. Look at this. We're going down to the T. Uh, yeah, Mitchell averaging 24.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, 4.3 assists per game on 46, 36, 86 clips. I do think that this is a better Donovan Mitchell than we've ever seen, more consistently
2: efficient. I mean, he has some games where he just goes full alpha and you can barely stop the dude. So I'm going to uh, beat the dead horse here. I'm going to ask the question again Are the Jazz better without Mike Conley? It's really hard to say until we see.
0: Mike Conley resembling himself again, and and out there on the is, but out okay out there on the basketball court at least because they got super hot with him out. We got to see the Conley Mitchell relationship. Is Conley
2: going to return to the Conley we know? I don't know if he'll ever be Conley and, from last season. And at this rate, uh, God, I, I don't want to say this, man. Don't say it then. Mike Conley's never going to be an All Star. That's crazy. That's hard to. That's. Uh.
0: You play your whole career in the West though, and that's what's going to happen. Here's what I think we can assume. Mike Conley is not going to be a 13 point per game guy on 38% from the field under 38%. I mean, that can't be right. He's got to come back. That's what. So, so I think it is going to be interesting to see because I think Mitchell has been great with the ball in his hands a lot. They've gotten Ingles way more involved and Ingles has not only taken over as a playmaker, he's shooting the hell out of the ball, you know, ever since Conley went down. So It's going to be weird. And yeah, the Jazz are the Jazz are really good. Conley hasn't played that much in his two games back. He's played under 20 minutes, so I'm not really considering that in my evaluation of how the Jazz are with Mike Conley. We're going to have to see him playing 30 minutes a game with the ball in his hands a lot before I really feel comfortable making an assessment
2: so uh my next guy after donovan mitchell i don't have a whole lot to add i mean Mm -hmm. he's the offensive engine with conley out um again after mitchell i felt like it got really hard okay and so my next guy is carl anthony towns okay cat is on my team but he's the
0: last guy on my team and really the reason he's the last guy on my team is because he's only played was it 26 or 27 games Mm -hmm. now but offensively he's he's the best i mean he's the best shooting center we've ever had He is genuinely the best three-point shooting center in basketball history. When you look at the volume he does it at, shooting 40.6% from three, hitting stepbacks. He's having an insane offensive season, 26 points, 11 boards, 4.3 assists on 50.4% from the field. I mentioned over 40% from three, 81% from the line. This team is better when he's out there. They're worse defensively when he's out there though. Like his, his, his defense is a problem. His defense is a problem, but it's not enough to keep him from being an all-star when he's doing revolutionary stuff like this offensively. And the Timberwolves, they're they've got to be around five hundred when he plays. They're way below without him. And we saw they had that stretch, you know, where Towns and Wiggins were both out, and it was just a disaster. But they started off the season, you know, near the playoff conversation. I never quite bought into that. But oh wait, never mind. They're still nine and seventeen with him.
2: Man, so that's pretty ugly. That's pretty ugly. I did not expect that. Yeah. Maybe. No, I'm not going to say it. No, he's still on my team, but that's why he's my last guy. Yeah, I understand. It's just the numbers astound you. He's so good offensively. I know we had a little bit of debate before. Who's your next guy? So my ninth guy is Devin Booker. Okay. Devin Booker is on my team. Uh, I have him one spot below my next guy. OK, uh, so let's talk about Booker, because Booker is a guy
0: that I have been campaigning for in the All-Star Game all season long. Um, he's having a phenomenal season, averaging 26.8 points, 4.1 rebounds, 6.4 assists per game. This is maybe the craziest part, Logan. This is a guy whose efficiency, you know, dipped a little bit last year with the volume of threes he had to take and just with the offensive burden overall. 51 percent from the field, 36 and percent from three and 91 percent from the line. They're way better with him on the court. He has a positive plus minus overall. They're 18 and 22 when he plays. 0 and 3 without him. He scored 30 or more points in 10 of their last 13 games, and. Part of the thing with Devin Booker is I, I have said for a while, I think he's the most versatile scoring guard in basketball because he's such a good cutter. He's so willing to play without without the ball and come off pin downs for catch and shoot threes and also can create for himself in so many ways is a dynamic one on one scorer gets to the rim, uh, gets to the line, knock down from three and also has an actual post game. One of, you know, a handful of guards that can score out of the post and has a beautiful post game. So I love Devin Booker. The Suns are good enough
2: where he just has to be here this year. And if he's not, it will be criminal. Yeah, I completely agree. And you uh, mentioned the number dip a little bit, and it's not (laughs) with the upgrade in talent that the Suns have made and Ricky Rubio handling the ball more, you would expect maybe a three to four point decrease in what? It's like half a point, one point from last year. No, he's actually scoring more per game. Really? He's, he's I 20. thought he was at like 27 and a
0: half last year. Now he's at 26.6 and his assists are only 0.4 down versus, you know, last year when he was basically running point point. and this year he's off ball a ton, but he's, he has come so far as a passer. That's been one of my favorite things mm-hmm. of watching him grow. He's one of, I think my three favorite players to watch in basketball. I love watching Devin Booker play. Luka D. Book and who? Jokic. When Jokic is on, I think Jokic is incredible and he's so weird He's so weird, but it's like the touch and the passing. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for passing, which is why I've loved Jaw forever. Jaw is, you know, one of my favorite guys to watch, too.
2: So the guy I had after Towns and we we discussed this briefly. Okay, I have Paul George. Okay, Paul George is not on my team. Criminal, criminal, criminal.
0: Okay, I got (laughs) to know. I got to know who you left off then. Did you leave? Did you leave Gobert off? So you left Brandon Ingram off.
2: I wanted. No. Oh, Logan, you've got me fired up now. I wanted to put Brandon Ingram on there bad. I just could not justify it. Okay, here's how you justify it. Ready? Paul
0: George has played 26 games this year. Yes, he's averaging 23 and a half, six rebounds and 3.7 assists on 43, 39 and a half, 91 clips. That's great. They're one point per 100 worse with him on the floor. And here's the thing. He's mailed this season in. He's content to just sit back there and jack up threes. He's not playing the same defense. And do we really think he's hurt right now? I don't. I think he's playing because he doesn't care about this regular season while Brandon Ingram is leaving his heart out there every night. For a Pelicans team that he has kept relevant, averaging almost 26 a game, almost seven boards, four and a half assists on 48, 40, 86 clips. He does everything for this team. He has revolutionized his game. We've always known what he is as a pack, as a passer, as a decision maker, the ability to shoot off the dribble. Now get to the rim, get to the line. This dude does everything. And I won't see it, Logan. I won't see it for a dude that's played 26 half-assed games. How many times did you
2: practice that in the mirror? I didn't expect to have to. So zero. Brandon Ingram is having a, a phenomenal season. Okay. Per thirty six, their numbers are literally the exact same. But pa- pa- well, you know what? Because Paul George doesn't want to play. Paul. Ge- Paul George is a better defender. And um. So yeah, that's about what I got to say on Paul George. Brandon Ingram has turned into, I
0: think, one of the twenty best players in basketball this season. I think I'm. I think I'm comfortable saying that. And he has to be here. He just has to. The things he's doing offensively are absurd. I mean, look at the 49-point game. That, to me, was a nice moment where he got some national recognition for what he's basically been doing all season, scoring 25 every game, setting up teammates beautifully. He's such a good passer at his height. He sees, he sees the floor really well. God, I love Brandon Ingram.
2: Okay, well, I think we've clearly found some video content. Um, <laughs> okay, Carson. Yeah. You've won this one. I got B.I. on the squad? Yes. Oh, that warms thank, thank my
0: heart. You, thank you, English textbook. <clears throat> that warms my heart. Yeah, you learned a little bit about rhetoric. Yeah. Realized- uh Realize that was teaching you a thing or two, huh? Well, that's good to hear because Paul George, I really don't think deserves it. And I'm a big Paul George guy. I think he's a top 10 player in the league when he's given, when he's playing all out, but he's like, he's not doing the same things offensively or defensively and he's just not
2: playing. So that's why I would have BI. Okay. So let's move on. My last guy who made the squad is Rudy Gobert. And I mean, you cannot leave off the best defensive player in basketball. I agree. Um, Although it's been done twice in a row. You can't do it <laughs> Trust me, you can't do it. Um the defensive player of the year so far, and he always puts up stellar numbers. I mean, he had some competition for the last spot, I have to say, but he ultimately won out. Fifteen and a half points a night, fourteen and a half boards, a little under two assists a night, sixty-eight percent from the field, yeah. which you know, as you should expect, yeah. and a little under sixty-three percent from the line. Anything to add, Carson? Yes. A lot to add, actually. Um the Jazz are 18 and a half points per
0: 100 better when he's on the floor, which I think for people playing legitimate minutes, that's got to be the best mark in basketball.
2: Hey, man, what do you think about your defensive player at the year pick? I made a mistake. I made a serious
0: mistake. And I went and I, you know, what's crazy was, <laughs> so we were on the podcast and I cited basically the statistical reason that I couldn't pick Gobert was that people had shot the 15th best percentage at the rim against the Jazz. And I was like, which is weird because it feels to me like Everyone's terrified of Gobert and he controls the game in the same way. And I said, I think he's still the best defender in basketball. I think Anthony Davis is having a better defensive season. And then I realized that I was making a mistake. So let's just walk down the defensive numbers for Gobert, because I think it's pretty clear how he impacts the game. He's a defensive genius. He has the longest arms, except for Bruno Caboclos that I've just about ever seen. He's able to switch out on the guards like he can guard everyone. The defensive metrics and these, you know, I'm a little bit skeptical of all of these, but generally when there's a real consensus among them, you can trust them. Defensive win shares, defensive rating, and defensive box plus minus all have him in the top six in the league. But let's get to the real numbers that I think we can really trust. So, of 29 players to defend 200 or more shots at the rim this season, Gobert has allowed the fourth lowest field goal percentage. Within 10 feet of the rim, people shoot 43% against him, and their average is 56. So, they're almost minus 13 with Gobert being there. And people are terrified to go into the paint, period. Overall, People shoot 39.7% versus Gobert. That's 7.7% below their averages, sub 40% when he's the primary defender. And here's maybe the most impressive part. I mentioned how he switches out onto guards. Guards shoot 39% from the field against him, 29% from three. And you will love this stat, Logan. He has blocked almost twice as many shots by guards as, as shots that guards have made on him. Almost twice as many. Basically, don't shoot on him. Basically, don't shoot on don't him. Don't do it. And he's the best defender in basketball, and, and it's still not close.
2: And he's an all-time defender. All right, Carson. So who was the first off? So my first off was Paul George. So it wasn't... Okay. <laughs> no, but it wasn't... <laughs> look, look. look. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's the first guy off. Yeah, but
0: Ingram was... Ingram was my 10th guy on. I you do realize how this sounds a little bit, right? No, because I didn't think, I just didn't think PG had a case. I
2: mean, PG is damn good, but this just isn't his season. Okay. Now I noticed that you have Russell Westbrook as your next guy that you left off. Yeah. My next guy. And I really wanted to put him here. Yeah. Lou Williams. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's just the West is so hard,
0: man. Yeah. And the way Lou started this season, I thought that he was actually going to be really in this conversation. He was having just a phenomenal season, like the best of his career. The efficiency has gone down a little bit since then. And I think the Raw numbers have gone down. But I will not object because I think Lou is one of. The 20 to 25 best offensive players in basketball. He's got such a great understanding of the pick and roll. Now he's just a deadly shooter. He gets to the he gets to the rim and gets to the line.
2: So I love Lou. I, I will not object. So you mentioned Russell Westbrook a little earlier in yeah. some of the numbers he's been putting up. Is there anything else you'd like to add on top of that?
0: Yeah. So there was a moment where I considered Russ. And, you know, Russ had one of the worst (laughs) starts to the season for anyone you could consider an all-star, like, that I can remember. And he's still shooting 23.5% from three. There's still 1.8 points per 100 possessions, worse with him on the floor. The raw numbers have gotten a lot better, 25.3 points, 7.9 rebounds, 7.3 assists. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, he averages 2.5 more points per game and takes almost 1.5 more shots a game in their losses. So when they go to him more, even if he performs better, they lose... He's just looked better, and there are some dudes that just straight up can't guard Russell Westbrook, some dudes that he is too quick for, and more than anything, too strong for. Like, I was watching Shea Gilgis-Alexander try to guard him the other day, Shea, who's 6'6 long, and he didn't have a chance, because Russ is just so strong, he gets to his spot, you know, 8 to 10 feet from the rim, shoots that little turnaround, and if he misses, it's going to be... By his own doing, because he's, you know, got a pretty broke jumper. Um, But there are some times where people can't stop him. And that's why he, like, it flashed through my mind, especially when I, you know, looked at the PG-26 game thing. Um, But I I think Towns is more deserving because he's just, like, well,
2: better, way better. That was the threshold for me, like, those three guys. And then I I considered uh, C.J. McCollum. Mm. uh, I considered Chris Paul a little bit. And then I considered, surprisingly— I think I had to, I considered Andrew Wiggins for a brief moment in the sun.
0: I didn't, I will be honest. Um,
2: Wiggins is better, but you know, he missed, he missed
0: a bunch of games and the Timberwolves suck and he's still a flawed player. My third guy off was Chris Paul. Chris Paul, 17, five rebounds, six and a half assists, 1.6 steals per game, 48, 37, 90 clips. They're 9.2 points per 100 possessions better with him on the floor. And the dude is just still... He's a great basketball player. You know, the clutch numbers are well documented. It seems like overall, since he really got engaged, I mean, to me, he's clearly the best player on this team. SGA is really good. I think CP three is still when he wants to be a notch above that because of the shot making, because of the genius passing that he still pulls out and the dude can still play defense. And with the thunder at what? 25 and 17. I think they're one game back of the rockets right now after that crazy 15 point comeback they had in the last six minutes, which I watched and was super fun. Gallinari went crazy. Um, a CP3 deserves to be in the conversation without a doubt to me, but I couldn't quite give him the spot.
2: Yeah, uh, twenty five and nineteen right now, and it looks like they're at a close game right now against the Magic. So we could see them go twenty six and nineteen. But I mean, I thought the Thunder were going to stink. And yeah. So oh yeah, you did. But to be fair, you thought that they were going to trade everyone. Yeah, I mean. You win some, you lose some. I lost yeah. a lot in the preseason <laughs> predictions. But Chris Paul has been putting up stellar numbers. And I mean, he is the guy on this team. Shakeholders yeah. Alexander can put up all these crazy numbers in all these crazy games. Chris yeah. Paul is still the man in OKC. Yeah. And in Crunch Simon in the playoffs, that will be, you know, as obvious as ever. But SGA, SGA
0: might be my fourth guy off. Well, maybe Lou, maybe Lou, but SGA is right there just because that dude gets to the rim whenever he wants. SGA over McCollum. Um, that's a, that's a tough one. I think maybe because the Thunder are just a better team. I think mm-hmm. McCollum is a better player than SGA and McCollum is like, obviously still putting up numbers just cause that dude can flat out score at one-on-one as well as probably, you know, probably a top five, one-on-one guard score, just with how many moves he has in his bag, the difficult shots he can make. I love CJ McCollum. Um, anyone else that you, that you felt was left off? No, I, uh, yeah, me neither. I think this was very fulfilling. All right. Well, um, hold on before we go. Okay, let me just say that this is good to get off my chest. Because I've really been torn up about this, especially with the East. I mean, uh, frankly, before we actually did this today, I was really my head was hurting and I was thrown <laughs> off. Beal, young, you know, Dinwiddie,
2: you know, Tatum. Some people stress out about schoolwork, some people stress out about relationships. Yeah. A certain nerd says <laughs> we, we stress out about who we think is gonna make the all star team. <laughs> that's true. It's it really is true. That's really what that's really what happened today. Is that it? Is that you it's off your chest? I'm done now. <laughs> okay. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed I've been Logan Camden. I've been Carson Brabber and this has been Nerd Sesh.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
0: Explore a wide selection of luxury spirits, wine, and champagne at reservebar.com. Elevate your gifting this year with rare and exceptional bourbons, tequilas, scotch, wine, champagne, with personalized engraving, exceptional glassware, and more. From wines
2: to whiskeys, there's a bottle for everyone. For a limited time, save $20 on your order of $150 plus with the code IHEART at ReserveBar.com.